0: I'm excited to introduce our speaker today. He is, he is a, um, a great friend. He is also a wonderful communicator. He's not a, he's not a guest to this house by any means. He is one of our lead team on our staff. He actually runs our ministries as a church. He is our di- ministry director. And Pastor Jared Ayers has a gift to, to preach the word of God. And I'm excited to welcome him as he comes to preach the word today. I've already read his notes. I know where he's going. church come on can we give jesus one more round of applause one more hand one more praise so powerful and uh like pastor nathan said there's nothing like being in the presence of god can we give it up for all of our youth juniors as they're leaving i'm so grateful to be here this morning Um, Before I move any further, I just want to honor my pastor, Pastor Nathan and Pastor Kendall Green. Can we honor them this morning? I have the privilege of, like he said, serving with him, serving under him as ministry director. But uh, he is my brother from another mother, and I'm so grateful for the Green family, and I want to thank you guys for allowing me the honor to stand on this stage. I recognize that I did not build this stage. And I'm just humbled to stand here on it and share the word of God. One more time for our pastors. I want you to know you're in good hands. They love our church. They love each and every one of you. And I'm excited to get to share this morning. Um, man, that song, it just hits me in my, in my feels. You know what I'm talking about? Even you had those songs that just like, to speak to you and then like, you, like I'm coming up to speak and I gotta like collect myself because God is so good. And I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. And um, I'm trying to transition into my sermon, but I just, I'm just so grateful for the presence of God. I, I, I can't imagine walking through life without the hope, without the joy of my salvation. I can't imagine walking through some of the dark things I've walked through and I'm not alone. I know each and every one of us have walked through something, but there's nothing like the presence of God. And that's kind of what i want to talk about this morning um as we're gearing up by the way our students tomorrow leave for a week of summer camp and so uh if you would please just be praying for us be praying for me but seriously it's a um it's a great week it's going to be a phenomenal week and god's going to move on some hearts i was a sophomore in high school at a summer camp when I felt the calling of God in my life to go into ministry. And here we are all these years later. I don't wanna do the math, it's been a while, but, um, <clears throat> but camp is important. And so just pray for our students that God would do something special in their lives and pray for our leaders too. They're giving up their time. They're taking off of work, Give it up for our leaders right now as a matter of fact, they're taking off of work <clears throat> for the week. They're gonna be ministering to our students. It's gonna be a phenomenal, phenomenal week. But I wanna jump right into the word of God And I know some of you may have came in this morning like, oh, I wanted to hear the pastor. Here's what I've learned is that when the word of God goes out, it does not return void. So it doesn't matter who's speaking it. If the Bible is open, God is speaking. And so I'm going to read from the book of John chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 25. I'm going to invite you to stand in honor as we read God's word this morning. I shared this message, this scripture with our students a few weeks ago, and it's just been speaking to my heart these past few weeks and I couldn't get away from it. And I wanted to share it with you this morning. We're going to read in John chapter 6 verse 25. we We're going to read all the way down <clears throat> to verse 40. Are you ready for the word this morning? Let's go. It says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, it's talking about the disciples. <clears throat> they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me. Not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Verse 29, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one He has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give so that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, verse 32, very truly. I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Thank you, Jesus. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive them away for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And I shall uh, and this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. Verse 40 for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. I want to talk this morning. I want to preach from what Jesus is saying here to the disciples and that is that he is the bread of life. That's what I want to preach from this morning. The bread of life. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for bringing us here this morning. God, I don't believe for a second that anybody is here by accident. Maybe their parents brought them. Maybe a friend invited them. Maybe they just found their way in this morning, but God, you have them here for a reason. Lord, I pray that I would get out of the way that it would be your words that would minister to your the the hearts of your people, God, that it wouldn't be my own thoughts, my own opinions, but it would be the word of God. Lord, help me to teach this word. Help me to be able to um, help us to apply it into our lives that we can leave here better that we can leave here changed, not because I'm great, but because uh, because you're great, God, if it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. And so we thank you today. we lean into your word. Speak to us. You know exactly what we need before we even ask. And so, God, I pray that you would provide that this morning. God, we love you. We trust you. We thank you in Jesus name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Before we get too deep into this chapter of John, I want to give you some context for the book of John. Uh, The Book of John was written, of course, by John, who was one of Jesus's disciples, and it was written to show the divinity of Jesus Christ. It was written to show that Jesus isn't just a man. John was written to show that Jesus is, in fact, God. And, and, And just so you know, John isn't coming at this with no knowledge. John isn't just some guy who heard about Jesus. John was actually the first cousin. Of Jesus. Anybody got like best friends with their first cousins growing up? I know my cousin Justin. uh, We were like thick as thieves growing up. We were so close to each other. And this is John with Jesus. They were first cousins. And so many of us know that uh, Jesus had 12 disciples, uh, but the Bible talks about how he had the 70. He had the 12 and he had the three Peter, James and John and John was one of those three. And so John was actually he referred. He's writing the book of John and he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so this is John writing this, and it's written to show us that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is in fact the son of God, that he is the incarnate, the God in flesh. And so John wanted others to know Jesus in this way. And this book, the book of John differs from the other Gospels. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, but John differs from the other Gospels. 90% of the book of John, in fact, is unique from all the other Gospels. The others are concerned with recording all that Jesus did the life of Jesus. And John does that, but he takes it a step further. His main goal was to communicate the identity of Jesus. And so John's main argument in the book of John is to show us that Jesus is God. And the key message of the book of John, the Gospel of John is that is Jesus is sent into the world to show the world God, the father's heart, and we see that in John 316. It said, for God so loved the world. This is a world famous scripture. I think Tim Tebow wore it under his eyes. You know, like this is a world famous scripture. John 316 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, uh, perish, but have eternal or everlasting life. And so the book of John, there's a strong dualistic perspective John is he's drawing the line pretty clear he's either he's saying you're either of God or you're of the world there is no in between so John he actually he actually forces ultimatums he says he lays out all the facts he says this is who Jesus is decide for yourself is he the son of God or is he not and right out of the gate John chapter 1 verse one, John sets the tone for the rest of the book. And he says in the beginning, he's talking about the beginning of time in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then it says in John 1 14, that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So This is the most profound statement of the divinity of Jesus. He's saying that Jesus isn't just another man. We can't put him in the same category as us. He's not like us, he's divine. And I hear people say all the time, like Jesus understands, yeah, Jesus understands, but I will never put myself on the same level as Jesus. Jesus is divine. He he can have compassion for us, but the Bible says he was without sin. So we can't compare ourselves to Jesus. And so John is writing the book of John to show people that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the son of God. And before I get into this message anymore, I just want you to know that if you ever hear a message priest that doesn't put Jesus on the throne, that doesn't say Jesus is the son of God, that doesn't preach Jesus as the savior of the world, it's not gospel, it's heresy. It's a false gospel. So John is setting the tone. He's saying Jesus is the son of God. He is God in flesh. And so now we get down to chapter six. But before we get there, just a few verses earlier, Jesus is feeding the 5000. This is a story that most of us have, have probably heard. Jesus is preaching. The people get hungry because that's what people do. And he was preaching. I mean, it wasn't like an hour message. It was like several hours. They had been there a long time. And there were 5,000 men. It didn't even account for the women and children. So there were thousands of people there. And Jesus said, what do we got? And they said, this guy has, you know, what is it? Five loaves, two fish, and they bring it to him. And Jesus, if you know the story, he multiplies it. It's showing that Jesus has the power to bring miraculous provision. And so this just happened. Then after that, Jesus walks on water as Jesus tends to do. Again, he is not like you and me. He's divine. And so. Now we see it in John chapter 6, verse 25. This is right after feeding of the 5,000. So it says in verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because of all the miraculous things I did. You're looking for me because you're hungry again. So Jesus, he sees right through what they're asking. He says, very truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. So Jesus knows what they're asking, but he wants to dig in a little deeper. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you for on him. God, the father placed his seal of approval. And then verse 28. And they they ask the question, and it's a very important question. He says, okay, what must we do to do? That's kind of a tongue twister. What must we do to do the works that God requires? So what the disciples are actually asking is, what do we do to inherit eternal life? They're talking about bread. They're talking about feeding the 5000. They're hungry. Jesus says, I have more than that. And so they're like, what must we do? To do the works that God requires and that's my first point that it's in all of us it's in every single one of us to ask is there more to life believers and non-believers alike ask this question they all want to know the answer to the question there's got to be more to life but how do I get that and so the disciples are asking the questions that many of us have probably asked Jesus is over here talking about bread, but he's not talking about the bread that you can just run to H-E-B and buy. Somebody say hallelujah for those fresh made tortillas. Come on, somebody. (laughs) But they have this hunger and Jesus is not addressing their physical hunger. This is way more than just a rumbling in their stomach. This is an ache in their soul for more something that isn't temporary, but something that lasts forever. And every single one of us, whether we want to realize it or not, have this emptiness, have this void in our souls. And we go to culture to fill the void in our life. But that bread has an expiration date. Some of us turn to drugs. Some of us turn to alcohol or other addictions to fill that void. And since the beginning of time, every human that's ever existed has had that uh, that void, and even the disciples that were with Jesus, had this emptiness inside them that they wanted to satisfy. I remember my dad is in the room and when I was a kid, we'd be hungry. My sister's in the room too. She can attest to this and I would say, Dad, I'm hungry. And he would say, this is not a joke. This is real life. You just ate four hours ago. I'm like, yeah, that was breakfast and it's lunch (laughs) and I'm hungry. But Jesus just got finished feeding thousands of people with bread and with fish and the disciples. Guess what? They're hungry again. So Jesus starts talking about bread that lasts forever. He's not talking about the bread they're talking about. Jesus said, you need food that endures to eternal life. And so they ask, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And they're asking the right question, but they got an answer that they didn't expect. You see, sometimes we pray to God for an answer, and he may answer it, but not the way we thought it should be answered. And so they're asking about food. But Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to use this opportunity to teach them a little bit. They're asking the right questions, but they didn't get the answer that they were expecting. So maybe they thought they had to prove themselves. How do we inherit eternal life? Maybe you got to work hard. Maybe you got to stack up enough good deeds to, to be accepted by God the Father. Maybe there's a seven-step program that you have to go through, and then once you're finished, you graduate. Congratulations, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Maybe they had to go through a foundations course. They had to follow this program. But look what Jesus says in chapter 29. It's so simple. It's like I had to ponder this verse for a little bit because it's almost too simple. What must we do to inherit eternal life? What must we do the work that's required? John 629, Jesus answered, the work of God is this to believe in the one he sent. If I'm a disciple, I've got my notepad out, right? Taking notes because that's what good people do. They take notes Can't take notes. Okay, believe in the one who sent and that's it. Believe in the one who God has sent. And so as John is writing this book, He considered it important to talk uh, to Greeks and Jews alike, believers and non-believers alike. You had people that were so heavy into uh, the Jewish system. The Judaizers, they were trying to make new converts, do all the things, get circumcised, eat the right foods, do all this. They were trying to make new converts do that. And then you had the Greeks who were so far into the world that they would just do nothing. And, and, And John is talking to both of them. He says, hey, you want to inherit eternal life? Believe in the one who God sent. Believe in Jesus. He's the one doing the work for you. I would be like, is that it? Look at your neighbor and say yes. yes. That's it. You can't do anything to earn your salvation. The work has already been done for you. Now, once you're saved, that's a whole other message. You have a task. You have an assignment on your life. You can't do nothing. But to, to accept Jesus to receive eternal life. It says believe in the one. Who he has sent. So Jesus is saying that he paid the price that we could never pay. Jesus paid the price that you and I could not pay. Now, this hasn't happened yet for the disciples. Jesus hasn't gone to the cross yet. He, he's with them. They're walking together. He hasn't gone to the cross, but he's letting them know now that the way to eternal salvation, the way you never go hungry again is through him. I didn't put this in my notes, but John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one doesn't matter how big your bank account is. Doesn't matter how many good deeds you've done. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus said. And so now we see in John chapter 6, verse 30. So they just asked, what do we do? He was like, just believe. Verse 30 says they asked him. What sign? We always need signs. It seems like God, give me a sign. What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? They said, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So the disciples are now referring to Exodus. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 6 verse excuse me. Exodus chapter 16 verse 4. The disciples are referring to this verse. He said, he said, uh, Exodus 16, 4 says, in the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day in this way. I will test them and see whether they follow my instructions. So the disciples are referring to this scripture in John. They're saying you fed our ancestors with bread from heaven. So Jesus continues in verse 32 of chapter 6 of John he says, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven but it is my father who gives this bread, the true bread. Say true bread. It is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to all the world. Jesus isn't referring to the Texas Roadhouse rolls with cinnamon butter. Come on. My parents, actually, I was, it was funny. They, they got Texas Roadhouse yesterday without me. and um, <laughs> But they brought these rolls back. And I was like, funny that you brought these. I was actually considering using this in my sermon. But you never had a bite like I I, I took I took one of the Texas Roadhouse rolls. I took like a quarter of it. and I said, That's all I need. I took a bite, dipped it in or I dipped it in the butter. Right. I took a bite and walked away. But guess what? That wasn't all I needed. (laughs) So I went back for more. Here's my point. No matter how much I went back, I still wanted more. And some of us keep going back to the same relationships. We keep going back to the same addictions. We keep going back to the same person, back to the same this, back to the same that. And we are left empty, never satisfied, always wanting more. So that bread feeds your bellies. Jesus said, I'm about to satisfy your soul. And here's my point. Jesus is the only thing. I'll say it again for the people in the back. Jesus is the only thing that can truly satisfy your soul. Trust me. I've tried it. I've tried other things. You've tried other things. But again, we're all left with this emptiness. We're all left hungry again. So the disciples of hearing about this. Okay, there's bread that we can eat that will never go hungry again. Verse 34, they said, sir, always give us this bread. I think that's a good decision. Always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. Look at your neighbor and say, why are you so thirsty? He says, whoever believes in me. Whoever believes in the one who God sent will never be hungry again. They will never thirst again. Jesus said, I am the true bread. I am what you've been searching for. I am what you've been missing. I am what will satisfy. You need life, I am. You need fulfillment, I am. You need joy, I am. You need peace, I am. You need provision, I am. You need healing, I am. I am the only satisfaction that will last. I am. And so he says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Say thirsty. Speaking of, one sec. See, I'm never satisfied. Mm, Straight from the rocks of Fiji. whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This word thirsty in the Greek is the word dipsao. Say that. Dipsao. Dipsao. And this word means thirst, but it means figuratively, not like an actual thirst that you can uh, quench with drinking water. This is a figurative Thirst that those who are said to thirst, who painfully feel the want of and eagerly long for those things by which the soul is refreshed, supported and strengthened. This is the word that Jesus chooses to to use in this scripture. He's saying if you're thirsty, not if you want a sip of water, but like if you're longing for something in your soul, there is only one thing that can fill it. And we see in John chapter four, maybe you know the story. This is just two chapters earlier. Jesus, he's, he's gone to this. Well, this is the story of the woman at the well. She came out to get a drink. The Bible tells us I believe that it was the, the heat of the day. There are many theologians that think it was because she was embarrassed. she was ashamed. So she wanted to come out to the well when no one else was there. So she comes to the well to get some water and Jesus was there because he, he knew she was going to be there. He showed up and so she comes to the well to get this drink of water and um, Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 13, he answered, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. That's the word dipsao that he used in the Greek. Indeed, the water that I give will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So this woman comes just like the disciples trying to figure out this eternal life thing. She comes to this well to get a drink of water that will satisfy her thirst temporarily. But Jesus is offering something so much deeper, so much more fulfilling than a temporary thirst. He's talking about how to fulfill the thirst in your soul. And the story goes, if you know it, uh, the lady's like, give me this water so that I got to come to this well again, and Jesus said all right cool go get your husband she said I have no husband Jesus said you're right you've had five and the one you're with now is not your husband so he's calling out the sin in her but Jesus doesn't just call out the sin he offers a solution to the sin so many Christians want to call out the sin but don't ever offer solutions to the sin so Jesus said go get your husband then he read her mail And the Bible talks about because she filled her life with temporary satisfaction. And that's exactly how you and I are, by the way. But Jesus let her know and is letting us know this morning that no matter how hard we try, you can never bring your soul lasting satisfaction. And the only thing that can do that is a relationship with Jesus and what's really bizarre about this story and I love it so much is that after this happened with Jesus at the well, she went and told the entire community. And many people from her community ended up receiving the grace of Jesus Christ ended up following him. That's crazy because Jesus spoke to her. She shared what he had done and many people believed in Christ as their savior. So if you are a believer, if you are a Christ follower, you have the bread of life and God needs you. He needs me to feed a world who is hungry, who is thirsty, Who is trying everything that they can to find acceptance, giving themselves away, trying to alter their God-given identities, turning to drugs, turning to people, turning to culture. That well will always leave you thirsty. They keep coming back and keep coming back, never satisfied. And Jesus said to her, and he's saying to all of us, whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. John 6, 38, for I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. The team can go ahead and come out. I'm almost done. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those, who he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. Verse 40, for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son, everyone who eats this bread of life, everyone who drinks this living water, my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up in the last day. The point of John chapter 6 It's to show each and every single one of us that we have a void in our life, that we have an emptiness in our soul, and it can only be satisfied by one thing, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. I can speak for myself, but I'm sure I can speak on behalf of many people in this room. We keep going back to wells that leave us thirsty. We keep eating bread that leaves us hungry, always wanting more, never satisfied. We keep one compromise after another sleeping with that person who is not your spouse going back to that relationship that's toxic gossiping at work oh I'm coming for all of you we want to look at other people's sin the Bible said hey how about you check take the plank out of your eye before you start pointing out the speck in someone else's eye because here's what I've learned and I've been guilty of it we like it when the pastor calls out the other people's sins but the moment he says yours like oh snap but whoever goes to this well, Jesus said, whoever comes to me will never thirst again. You want satisfaction? The answer is Jesus. You want hope? The answer is Jesus. You want fulfillment? You want life? You want joy? You want peace? The answer is Jesus. And I know this sounds oversimplified, but it's really, it's really simple. Jesus said, if you come to me, you'll never thirst again. So that void that you've been filling with other things, that void that you've been filling with substances or relationships or binge watching Netflix, come on. That void that you've been filling to try to numb the pain. Jesus said, I am the only thing that's going to fill that void. Those who come to me will never thirst again. Those who eat from me will never hunger again. And here's what I believe with all my heart is, is that God doesn't want anyone to spend eternity in hell. God doesn't want anyone to suffer the punishment for our sin. That's why God gives us a choice. He gives us a way out. People say all the time, if God is so good, how can he send people to hell? I'm like, bro, we were on our way to hell. And Jesus provided a way out. And so and so God is merciful, but he is just. I'll say it again. He's merciful but he is just, there is a punishment for evil. How many are thankful that at the end, there is a punishment for the evil that's in this world? There's a punishment for evil. There's a punishment for wickedness. There's a punishment for sin. And the truth is that every single one of us deserve that punishment. Doesn't matter how big your sin is. We have, we have this grace scale, right? Like, 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 I didn't do that, so I'm not that bad. But the Bible tells us in Romans 6 for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Every single one of us deserve punishment for our sin, but Jesus in his infinite love for us. I started with it. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. If you would just believe in him, you will not perish, but have everlasting life. Stop going back to the Texas Roadhouse Roll. Stop going back to the things that will never satisfy you. They taste good in the moment, but you wake up the next morning feeling shame and feeling regret, feeling condemnation. The Bible tells us there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are meant for more. Stop. This is for somebody. Stop going back to the thing that keeps hurting you. The Holy Spirit's giving somebody the courage this morning to leave. You know what I'm talking about. Jesus said, you want satisfaction? Come to me. He also said, I didn't put it in my notes, but he said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I'm going to ask everyone to stand to your feet this morning. You can't have good news without the bad news. The bad news is we're on our way to hell. Sin separated us from God. God created heavens. He created the earth. He created mankind in his image. Adam and Eve messed it up for all of us. Sin came into the world and because of that sin we were separated from God that's the bad news the good news is John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son if you would just believe in him you would not perish but have everlasting life you may say well i'm a good person that's great it's not good enough jesus said i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me that's the gospel of jesus christ that we were dead in our sins, but Jesus took the punishment that you and I deserved. He took it on Him. The Bible says, "He who knew no sin," talking about Jesus, became sin for us, so that we could become the righteousness of God, so that we could stand in right standing before the Creator of the universe. Romans ten nine tells us very clearly: if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Remember, I said John forces ultimatums. He says, this is God, this is who Jesus is. You either accept him or you don't, but that's the beauty of grace is God always gives us a choice. He doesn't force us to follow him. That's not love. He gives us an option. And so I'm gonna ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. You know, even what we might call the smallest sin, the the little white lie. I remember watching VeggieTales as a kid and they were talking about little fibs and how that fib grew into a monster. Even the smallest sin deserves punishment, but God doesn't want that for us. He provided a way out for God. So loved the world. That word world doesn't mean the earth. It means the people. He so loved you. He so loved me that he wanted to give us a way out of our sin out of our shame out of our guilt and Jesus took the punishment that we deserve. He took it on himself on that cross. He was nailed to the cross crucified a criminal's death. He was punished. He took our punishment. But three days later, he got out of the grave. As we know the story, he rose. He he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And when we come to Jesus and we invite him into our life as Lord and leader of our lives, we can stand before God as spotless, as righteous, covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you're in here and you're thinking, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the decisions I've made. You don't know the people I've hurt. You don't even know what i did last night listen friend all of us all of us deserve the same outcome but jesus loves you more than you can even fathom he is so madly in love with you and the only thing he wants right now is to get you out he wants to start a relationship with you sometimes we feel like we have to get our life together and that maybe god will accept us But the truth is, you accept Jesus and then you spend the rest of your life becoming more like him. But salvation is found in an instant. When you accept the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, when you accept that and you pray the prayer that we're about to pray, you can have a fresh start, a new beginning. In fact, the Bible says that your sin is separated from you. As far as the East is from the West, so is your sin separated from you. And when God sees you, He doesn't see you for your failures. He doesn't see you for your sin. He sees you through the lens of grace. He sees you through the lens of the cross. So I wanna pray a prayer. It's a simple prayer. But if you wanna make that decision this morning, this July 4th weekend, if you wanna make that decision to start a new life, to have your sin erased and make a decision to accept Jesus into your heart, and make him Lord and leader of your life. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that. I'm gonna to count to three. And with no one looking around, if you wanna make that decision, I wanna pray with you. I wanna pray a prayer with you. If you wanna make that decision, one, two, three, lift your hand this morning. I see that hand, I see it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see it, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I see it, thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? I see it. Thank you, God. I see it. Thank you, Jesus. Church, can we put our hands together for those making a decision right now? If you're a believer, if you're a believer in the room, I want you to be praying because this is the moment the devil hates. This is the moment the devil hates when people are making decisions to give their life over to Jesus. Anyone else? you can put your hands down. I want everyone in the room to pray this prayer for me. We're going to pray it. I want you to pray it like you mean it. If this is your first time praying it, mean it in your heart. Say, Dear Jesus, I invite you into my life. I invite you into my heart. Make me a new person. Forgive me of my sin. I thank you for dying and raising from the dead for me so that I could have salvation, so that I could be forgiven, so that I could spend eternity with you in heaven. I love you. I trust you. I make you Lord and leader of all my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Church, can we welcome those to the family of God who just made that decision just now? Listen, that is the best decision that you could have made. We're gonna give you some instructions, but right now, we're going to come together as a church and we're going to take communion. Service is not over. I'd ask that you remain where you're at because this is an important part of the service. The, the ushers are going to distribute communion. Maybe this is a new thing for you, but communion is simply this. Jesus said it in the New Testament when he's eating with his disciples. This became known as the Last Supper. He said, As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me so when we take communion we're remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross Jesus took the bread and he broke it he says this is my body which is given for you and then he took the glass of wine and he drank it said this is my blood which was shed for the forgiveness of your sins so every time we take communion we don't do this just as a tradition or just something just because what we're supposed to do we do it to remember what Jesus did for us. Where would I be if it wasn't for the grace of God? And so that's why we take communion. It's a chance for us to look within ourselves and say, God, is there anything in my life right now that's unpleasing to you? Is there anything, any sin, any anything hindering my relationship with you? This is a perfect opportunity to repent. That's the Bible word for turn around and go the other way. Jesus said, do it in remembrance of me, and as often as you do it, remember him until he comes again. How many are thankful that one day the pain will end? One day, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more hurt, no more sin, no more shame. I don't know about you, but I could could do without the shame. But that's what communion is. It's a remembrance of the sacrifice that Jesus paid for you and me so that we don't have to walk in shame. We don't have to walk in guilt or condemnation, but we can walk in righteousness and be in right standing with God. I'm gonna pray over our communion and then we're gonna take it together as one church family. You don't have to be a member of Skybreak to take communion with us, but you do have to believe in Jesus as your Lord and savior, because that's what this is all about. Let me pray, God, I thank you so much. God, I thank you for every person that made that decision just now and invited you into their hearts into their lives. So father, we thank you as we take this communion that we remember your sacrifice. We remember what you did for us. Jesus on that cross by taking the punishment that we deserve the weight of the world's sin was on you and you took it and you bore it. God, we thank you that you took stripes on your back for our healing. So if you're in the room this morning and you need healing in your body you can declare the scripture that says by his stripes you were healed so god we thank you for sending your son jesus to take our place so that we could be made right with you that we could be made whole that we could walk in forgiveness and spend eternity with you god we love you we trust you and we thank you in jesus name everybody said amen